Let us pray. Lord, thank you for gathering us today. I pray for everyone in this room, both corporately and individually, that they would understand this gift of salvation that is being offered to them, that we'd have the courage to share this gift, and that this gift would change us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Wait till the screens go up here. Have you ever received a gift you were not expecting? And maybe it was a gift that you didn't particularly want. Some of us can relate to that. One day my mom happened to be thumbing through my baseball bag in high school, and she found several packs of chewing tobacco in there. And being the good mom that she was, she threw them away, and then she decided to give me a gift, and she bought me like a half a dozen packs of Big League Chew bubble gum that shredded to kind of look like tobacco. And... Um, I was a little bit upset, but again, I was doing something I shouldn't have been, and so eventually my mom won out because I stopped, I ended up liking the bubble gum better than the tobacco in the long run anyway, much to my dentist's chagrin, but uh, anyway, well, either way, it would have been bad, but I think all of us can relate to uh, maybe getting a gift that we weren't quite expecting, maybe it was something that we didn't think at the time that we needed or was going to be beneficial to us. Sometimes it's an opportunity. Years ago, I had an opportunity to work in a small town to start up a Young Life, which is a Christian outreach for high school students. And I was excited about the opportunity. I was like, this is a great gift. It came at a good time in my life. And I remember going there the first three days. And, you know, I was from the suburbs. I had lived in, I went to Virginia Tech. That was about as rural as I got, which was somewhat rural, but it was all like suburban and city kids there. And I remember going there after a few days and meeting people around the town. I couldn't understand them. They had this mountain southern accent. And uh, I remember thinking, what did I sign up for? It wasn't feeling like a gift or a great opportunity anymore. And I remember I got on my kitchen table and I wrote a resignation letter after day two. I was like, man, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. This, is a, this was just a bad decision on my part. I called my older brother on the phone. He's like, well, what are you going to do? Go live with mom and dad? You don't have any other opportunities right now. And I said, you know, you're right. I ended up sticking it out, and it ended up being an incredible gift, an incredible opportunity. The ministry grew and exploded beyond my wildest expectations. It was a great chapter in my life. And something I was a little reluctant ended up becoming a great gift. So the good news for us all is that we've been offered a gift, a gift from God. And this gift even though at first you may want to resist it, when we open this gift, it changes our lives. Not only eternally, but for our time here on this side of heaven. And not just our lives, it's a gift we want to share with others. This gift changes us from the inside out. And we can't help but loving difficult people, loving our neighbors. It opens up our life and gives us more life than we can imagine. This is the gift of salvation that God has offered to each and every one here. And I know in a room like this, a lot of times we hear these words like salvation and being saved. And sometimes those can just be like, oh, I kind of know that. You know, Jesus died for my sins. I'm a believer. And it almost becomes a cliche. 
But this morning, I want us to look again at these words, the word salvation, and this gift that's been offered to each and every one of us. Because I believe when we look a little more closely, this is going to become a lot more personal to us. Maybe if things have been foggy as far as what my faith really is all about, perhaps the fog will clear this morning. We'll have a little better idea on what we're here for, on what this gift of salvation means for us. You know, I remember first hearing about salvation. I grew up in a Lutheran church and kind of went through church, did the routine. And then we went to a church that was a little more charismatic, evangelical. And I went to this youth group in middle school. I'd never been to a youth group before. Um, And the leader was very, like, you know, evangelical, kind of fire and brimstone kind of guy. And he talked about God's salvation. And he said, if you don't want to go to hell, you need to come to the altar. And all these people were getting tears in their eyes, and they felt guilty, and I felt nothing. I was like, I feel nothing. I'm not going up there and faking it and pretending like I have emotions. And then he upped the ante. He said, all right, what if you're driving home tonight and you get in a car crash and die? Are you going to heaven and hell? And again, I felt nothing, and I wasn't going to go up there. Several other kids came to the front, and they had tears, and they were having this conversion experience, and yet I felt nothing. So my question uh, began to myself, is this what the salvation is? It's making you feel guilty because I'm just not feeling it. But this morning we're going to look at scripture and I'm, I, f- I feel like we're going to get a more complete version of what salvation is. And even though my youth minister wasn't wrong, his tactics may have been a little extreme for middle school kids. There was a lot of truth in it. But I hope this morning as we look in scriptures, we're going to get a little better understanding of what this whole gift is all about. Well, first of all, I want us to look at the passage in Isaiah, because Isaiah prophesied about this gift. And when uh, when it was read here, just a little bit to you, um, some of the ways this salvation was described is this. It says, God will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. And then Isaiah goes on to prophesy and say, but my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. So we, we begin to get this picture, these metaphors of what salvation will be like, this coming salvation, which the prophet Isaiah predicted. He said it will bring life where there's wasteland. It will make things right where there's injustice. It will endure. It will last. It won't be a temporary fix. And then Jesus comes along. And the angels proclaim to the shepherds on what his ministry is going to be about. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That Jesus is the Savior that's going to save people. The Apostle John, who spent time with Jesus, he saw Jesus' life, death, and saw the resurrected Christ. That's why he was called an apostle. When he wrote down the gospel, he described in essence what Jesus' ministry was about as Savior. He wrote, So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's read the next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the Apostle John recognized in all that he saw when Jesus, his big mission was to save people, to not condemn them, but to offer a way out. And then the Apostle Paul, well, actually, one more thing about Jesus I don't want you to miss. When Jesus was a a youngster, 
he got into the temple and he described his ministry and what might be called his inauguration speech. He wrote, uh, he read these words from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the years, the year of the Lord's favor. And then much to the chagrin of the religious leaders, he rolled up the scroll and he said, today, this scripture has been been fulfilled in your hearing. And they were all like, who does this guy think he is? So we begin to understand Jesus' ministry. We begin to get a better understanding that it was going to be about, it was good news for people. It was going to save people. He was the savior of the world. It was going to provide release, recovery, freedom, bring people into God's favor. And it was good news for everybody. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letters as he began to write the theology so we could understand a little bit more what this theology was about and who what it was for. He wrote this. He said, For to this end we toil and struggle because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So this ministry of Jesus was for all people. Again, Paul wrote to Titus, he wrote, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all. So this gift of salvation is for everybody. It brings us life, eternal life. It frees us from the captivity of sin. It is for all people, and it changes the way we live life. So what do we do with this gift? Here's a gift right here. I didn't wrap it, otherwise it would look a lot worse than this, but this was uh, was actually nothing inside of it. It was from VBS. But like any good gift under a tree at Christmas... We want to open it. And I know it's a simple analogy. But God is telling us for this gift of salvation that he's offered us, he wants to open it. Well, what does that mean? You may ask yourself, what does it mean to open it? Well, the first thing is when you get a good gift, you want to tell people about it. You want to proclaim, hey, look what I got. In the gospel reading that I just read a few minutes ago, Peter got it. He finally figured out, the light bulb went out. He figured out who Jesus was, that he really was the Savior, the Messiah. And he said these words, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. See, Peter got it. Jesus said, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He got it. He proclaimed who Jesus was. In the the Psalms, uh, it says this, Oh Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We're all familiar, or many of us are familiar with that passage. But then it goes on to say, Let the the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble. In other words, thus who've become believers, who've come to understand God's salvation, that he saved us from our sins. We're supposed to let people know, to let the redeemed of the world say so, to proclaim that you're a believer. Well, the good news for me from my youth group story is that years later I went to another camp and the light bulb went went off and I finally understood God's love for me, that he died on the cross for my sins and it all kind of clicked. And I stood in front of about 300 other teenagers and said, I'm a believer. See, I came to the point where it made sense. I understood it. I opened the gift and I proclaimed what I got, what I had received. 
The second thing is a gift was meant to be shared. It is a living hope to be shared with others. The Russian novelist Fyodor Dostoevsky, my Russian friends would say I just butchered his name, but we'll pretend I didn't, said these words, to live without hope is to cease to live. Well, the gospel, the salvation, brings a real and living hope to us all. And this gift was meant to be shared. This gift that we've received, it wasn't meant just for us to hide it and to keep it for ourselves. Remember in that small passage in Romans that uh, Bev read just a few minutes ago, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This gift was meant to be shared. Also, the, in, the inclusion into this gift, us being invited to receive this gift, causes us to live life differently. When we understand that we're included in God's family, that the salvation was for everybody, especially for us who believe, when we've come to faith, when we've joined the family, so to speak, it changes us from the inside out. Remember I read that passage from Titus where it says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all. He goes on to say how when we receive this gift, it impacts our interior life, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own, who are zealous for good deeds. It changes us from the inside out. When we receive this gift, when we proclaim it and share it, we start to see people differently, see people as worthy of God's salvation, who need to know, and we care about folks. You know, one of the stories in the Bible that best illustrates this was the story of Zacchaeus. He was a greedy tax collector, climbed up into a tree to see Jesus from a distance. Jesus said, come down, I want to go hang out with you. Spend time with you. People in the town muttered, you know who he is? He's got a bad reputation. Why are you going to the guest of a sinner? Zacchaeus heard people muttering and said, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And I love Jesus' words. He said, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, when Zacchaeus understood that he was included in Jesus' plan, included in Jesus' day, that Jesus liked him, wanted to be around him, it changed him from the inside right away. He wants to stop being greedy. See, his life was almost like what the prophet Isaiah said, where it had become like a wasteland. He was tight-fisted. He had all this stuff, but he was miserable. And now he meets Jesus who's included him in his salvation, and he doesn't want to be greedy. He wants to open his hands and give. Salvation has come to him. It's another story in the scriptures of the man of the tombs. Jesus comes on a boat with his disciples. It's a crazy story. And as he approaches the island, there's a man running at him. Normally, you know, people aren't really running at you when you arrive. And, uh, and the man is naked and bleeding and has a lot of problems. He's crazy, demon-possessed. Jesus heals him, and I love his transformation. He's dressed in his right mind, and he wants to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, go into the village and share what's happened to you. People in his village were scared to death. 
They knew about the monster, but when he became normal, when he became human again, they were scared. They're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is powerful. He can change lives. He sets captives free. Salvation has come. He changes people from the inside out. And from this inside, the way we live our lives on the exterior changes, the way we treat people, the way we, uh, what we share with people. You see, sometimes in evangelism, in Christian circles, we elevate saving souls of, you know, telling people about the good news of Jesus, and we kind of diminish feeding the poor and the hungry. Well, you look at Paul's writings and Jesus' writings, they weren't supposed to compete against each other. It's one and the same. You share, but as you share, because you've been changed from the inside out, you don't see people the same way. You want to help them. Your heart breaks for the homeless, for the people who are hungry, for the sick, for the friendless, for the naked. You want to help them. You can't help but do this. James, uh, in his book, got this. He said, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world, by the world, or unpolluted from the world. It changes us from the inside, our inclusion into the salvation gift. You know, for many years I've brought kids on mission trips, and what's interesting is I have more kids that meet Christ that have a conversion experience on mission trips than I do on a lot of the outreach trips I take them on. And I think it's as they start participating in kingdom work and salvation work, whether it be helping with a VBS for kids in Honduras or painting a house in Appalachia or whatever it might be, they start moving and acting. The Holy Spirit starts doing work on their heart. See, these, these works that we do should not be diminished. It's all part of it. This gift we've received, it changes us from the inside out as we realize that we're included. We can't help but want to share this through our words and through our actions. I don't know where you've been in your faith. For most of you, you're probably very familiar with these words. For most of you, you probably open this gift of salvation. Maybe even you share it with other people. Maybe you understand that your inclusion the Holy Spirit's work that you and really has changed you. You see a big change from where you used to be to where you are now. Or maybe things have been a little foggy. You know, there's a story that happened uh, with General Wellington, who commanded the victorious forces during the Battle of Waterloo in the Napoleonic Wars. The story has been told that when the battle was over, Wellington sent the great news of his victory to England. They had a series of stations one within sight of the next had been established to send code messages between England and the next continent. The message sent was Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. Meanwhile, as they were trying to send this message, a fog set in and interrupted the message. As a result, people only heard Wellington defeated. Later, the fog cleared and the full message continued, which was quite different from the outcome that the people had originally thought what had happened. Maybe you haven't quite understood it. You heard Jesus died for your sins, but maybe you don't really understand that this is a very personal message, that Jesus died for you. This isn't just some pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. And not only did he die, but as the Apostle John found out, he rose again. He gave us this gift of salvation. 
so that we need, don't need to fear death any longer. That eternal life can be a reality for all of us who open the gift of salvation. And not only does it give us this eternal gift in the temporal, in the here and now, it gives us a mission, a purpose in life to share this message through our words and through our actions as we're being changed from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is it as a church that we need to be about? As a church, as I shared last week, we need to stay connected to the source of our salvation, and that's to Christ. We need to surrender to God's grace every day, corporately and individually. Because when we do that, we become engaged in life. We utilize this gift that he's given us. See, this is the way God intended it. This is not something we just set on a shelf to get uh, dusty. This becomes a part of who we are and how we live our lives. I love Paul's words in Ephesians when he says this. And you, speaking to all of us, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is the same Holy Spirit that gives us the power to live the Christian life. You are included in this message. This gift is for you. This gift is to be shared, proclaimed through our words and through our actions. We can live life with a living hope because we're not afraid to die. Because we understand that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's the great thing about this gift. We are included. I want to end with, uh, we've been working for years with a ministry called Urban Promise. And on their website, they have these four B's they talk about. To believe, become, belong, and to be a promise. See, when we open the gift, it's an act of belief. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he saved us from our sins. And as we believe, we become a part of this body of believers. We get the sense of belonging. But this is not inclusive. This message wants to share others the promise that we found from God, that he loves us, that he will not forsake us. So my challenge for us as we leave here, regardless of where you are, is to share that, to be a promise for others, to be little Christ, as the Christians were called, to go out and share this message of salvation through your words and through your actions. You know, last week I spoke about the fruits of the Spirit and how we all have these gifts The Holy Spirit empowers us to use these gifts, to share our faith, to share this gift of salvation, so that we can, too, participate in this ministry of changing lives and bringing the salvation to others. Let us pray. Lord, so often we become all too familiar with your words, where they just can become cliches, or they become foggy, And we don't really understand the full message that you not only love people, but your salvation is for us. When we put our belief in you, Lord, help us to share the salvation with others. Help us to proclaim it. Help us to know that we're included. And from that, you change us from the inside out so that through our words and actions, we can let other people know that they're included in the salvation as well. In Jesus' name, amen.